morning, church. I like how I like how the Lord uses Lou, how he has a sound mind. He's, he has a balanced mind. He said, you know, people are freaking out, Corona this, Corona that. I saw something, and it's not to make light of it. We know that, you know, there's there's been many people, um, you know, affected by it, people with, you know, um, compromised um, health and, 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 and some elderly people or whatever, uh, you know, conditions aren't so well, well where they live and they don't have adequate health care. But I saw this thread and it said, if you're, if you're afraid of the coronavirus, repent. And, and it's, there's, there's humor to it, but the truth of the matter is, is that perfect love casts out all fear. We're not to be living in, in a way where we're living in a bubble and we're spooked by every little thing that comes around. Because what was it before this? It was SARS. And what was it before SARS? Uh, influenza or whatever, mad cow's disease. There's going to be something else that comes next. And I'm not trying to make this into, uh, you know, how to how to be, you know, stay away from the coronavirus. But, you know, Clorox bleach is not going to kill it. Clorox wipes are not going to kill it. It's a viral thing. So it has to run its course. Just wash your hands. You know, do we get away from just washing our hands? You know, as the Bible says, we need to be washed clean our souls. Uh, so, you know, don't freak out on that stuff. Don't get so sucked into the news and all that because it's going to make you want to just lock your door deadbolted and you're not going to want to do anything. And it's just it's too much. Well, on another note, we're continuing on in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 11, excuse me. And I've entitled this message, Only Something the Lord Could Do. And if you, you know, were paying attention as the scriptures were read, just this whole account of what went on between this angel of the Lord and Peter, you have to be convinced that this is something that only the Lord could do. It was a, a miraculous escape, a miraculous release of, of Peter being held against his will in prison by uh, Herod's guards. As we learned last week, opposition and persecution will come when we serve the Lord faithfully. Uh, we look at our brother James and what happened to him. He served faithfully. He was the, the uh, you know, he was beheaded, so to speak. He was, you know, oust. He was done. Um, he served faithfully, and that's what it cost him in this life. It cost him his life. But we also are reminded that God honors the earnest prayers of his children, because uh, later uh, at the end of the beginning of the chapter last week, we know that James was killed, and then uh, Peter was thrown into prison. As the church in Antioch caught wind of their other leader being thrown into prison, they, they just went into prayer mode. They just were seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord to move mightily, to have favor upon Peter. And here we're going to see uh, what the effects of these fervent, earnest prayers were by the church. Again, today we will see that the Lord will respond. Always, He always responds, but He will respond in His time according to His will in ways that can stretch far beyond what we can understand. And isn't that the case all the time? When you find yourself earnestly seeking the Lord, maybe He doesn't answer your prayer in the manner you expected Him to answer it. Maybe He didn't answer your prayer in the timely fashion that you would have liked or what you felt was, was, was right. But nonetheless, the Lord answers according to His will and in His time. 
there are, excuse me, there are several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. And the first one is this. When we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we have peace in the midst of of madness. And and this is kind of, again, it's not poking at that whole, uh, you know, example I use, uh, you know, before with the coronavirus. But I mean, you know, when you have Jesus living on the inside of you, when you have the Holy Spirit indwelling your body and you're living by the precepts of the Bible and you're, 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 you're now bent towards conforming your way to the ways of the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to be so rattled by all this other stuff going on. Um, to be, to walk ignorantly, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go, go lick door handles and go rub your hands on things and don't wash your hands and go touch your face and, you know, picking your nose and doing all this. And you know what I mean? Don't do that. Don't be fool. Don't be a fool. But now you're going to have a balanced mind. You're going to have, you're going to have that, that inner peace because you know that, you know, the reality is we're all going to go. We're all going to pass on when it's our time. It's our time. You know, there's been many people that they call it a fluke accident. You know, somebody was hang gliding and, you know, an accident happened. They fell to their death. Somebody was skiing and an avalanche crushed them. I'm not trying to make light of people if they passed on like that. But obviously, for whatever reason, they didn't make it out of that avalanche. They didn't make it down that hill or they were riding a horse and they fell off the horse. They broke their back and that was it. And then they're gone. I don't know. But, the, the, the you know, there's it's a point on demand once to die and then face a judgment. So the reality is. Make the most of your time in between your birth and your death. Live it for the Lord. Don't be stressed out. Don't worry about what could happen. What You know what I'm saying? Because all those little things are just going to leave you paralyzed. And that's what Satan loves to do. He loves to pronounce fear upon people. And when we don't, when we, when we don't submit to the Holy Spirit, when we're not living, God bless you, when we're not living in obedience to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we're more times than not going to find ourselves living in a perpetual state of fear. And that is just, it's just ugly and nasty is disgusting i can't you know it just doesn't it, doesn't it sounds nasty coming out of my mouth because we're not given a spirit of fear amen we're not as believers in christ we are not to be living in fear the second main point is man's plan or plans i should say will never overpower god's plan we make all kind of plans you know the bible is clear about it we may throw the dice but the Lord determines where those dice land. I'm paraphrasing. We can come up with all these grandiose ideas, concepts, things that we like to do, things that we think we should do, but nothing is going to thwart what the Lord's sovereign will is for his people, for the time and age that whatever people are alive. Um, God's will, will will prevail regardless of what we do. Um Whatever we do, we, we cannot thwart the Lord's plans. Our efforts are futile if we're going against the Lord. No matter how much money we have, no matter how much knowledge we have. I mean, we're living in a day and age now where uh, I was just talking to Fred Scott in the in, in, in the men's room about this, where, you know, we we are. I didn't call it the powder room. I think that's for the ladies, but the men's room. Yeah, we talk. It's not weird. We're, we're talking as I was washing my hands. Get your minds out the gutter, people. But it, we, we're living in the information age, right? Mankind has never been more educated than this day and age we live in. With the internet, 
you know, with, with the universities, with all these degrees, with all these advancements in technology. But if education could cure sin, people would be flocking to these universities. You can be an educated fool. And I'm not talking bad about people who have degrees. So if you have a degree, if you're an MD, if you get several initials after your name, hey, praise God that you were able to get through that. But what I'm saying is don't rest your hat on that thinking that that makes you who you are because you're still a sinner. Education didn't solve the problem of sin. And we have all this information and all this education, but yet we're still battling with the effects of sin and how sin can just ravage a person's life. And ultimately, if they don't repent of their sins, take a person's soul to hell. So, yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket unless it's Christ. Amen. All right. The third main point is the Lord will always come through for his people. The greatest example of this is simply Jesus Christ going to the cross. The fact that he humbled himself, creator of all, and he allowed himself to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world, past, present, and future, so we may have access to the triune God, to God the Father, to be able to be in right standing with him, no longer have our character and our lives marred by the effects of sin. That is the greatest act of him coming through for all people, Jew and Gentile. And so in every little thing in between that, all the little minute details of life, God will come through. Again, it's at his will, at his time, and his way. So we can't get so fixed on, well, God didn't do it this way. Well, you know, again, it goes back to whose ways are higher and greater, his. And so there's a reason why he chooses to come through in certain ways for certain people, and he chooses to come through in different ways for, for different people. We can't get hung up on that. The fact that we have breath in our lungs and we have the eternal security and hope of, uh, of being in heaven, of being at peace with God the Father for all eternity, again, should be so much motivation that you really don't need anything else. That should that should kind of brighten your day as you go through the tribulations of life. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and unpack these verses. Let's start with verse 6, and I'll read it again. And it says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. So again, last week we, we had went over that James had recently been killed by Herod. Now Peter is imprisoned and he's awaiting his own execution. This is, this is heavy. This is, I mean, this is no joke what's going on. I don't, do we, do we still do the death penalty in California? We do. Oh, uh, what is it? They do the, they do the, Oh, they don't do it no more. Oh, wow. Because a while ago, right? When it was, I mean, I'm marking my age, but didn't they used to like, uh, eight? yeah. So, I mean, to bring it up to today's terms, to kind of modify it a little bit so you can get a, get a better idea. That's like you being sitting in San Quentin and, you know what I mean, you're about to have to get the lethal injection coming up soon. And, uh, you know, one of your close one of your close peoples, they've already been off and, you know, you're, you're next. Um, you're next on the chopping block. What this is what the text means when it says Herod was about to bring him out, meaning Herod was really about to kill him. He was about to bring him out. He wasn't going to bring him out so he could hang out and they could chum it up and be be, be cronies. And, you know, he's going to be a gesture, you know, and Peter was going to do flips and, you know, what I mean, juggle some stuff and put a sword down his throat. It didn't mean that. 
He wasn't going to come before Herod and do that. Herod was bringing him out because Herod was going to have him executed. He was going to, you know, be done with him. The interesting thing about this, this verse right here is that it says Peter was doing something. What was Peter doing? Peter was sleeping. What? <laughs> Homie, and this, and this is not no lethal injection because back then it was very barbaric and uh, beheadings happened a lot. You know, you would get your head chopped off. You know, it's crazy. I was like, read something about roaches. Roaches can live for like a week with their head chopped off. So I, sorry. I, but that just, uh, it just wigged me out. But I mean, but but Herod was about to kill Peter. He's going to have him executed. He was going to have his head chopped off like a roach. But Peter was sleeping. And, and 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 not sleeping like sleep apnea where you can't really sleep well. You're making these nasty you know grunting sounds sounds like you're going to throw up, you're going to vomit. You got a mask on like Darth Vader. I'm not talking sleep like that. I'm talking like sleeping like a baby. He's sleeping peacefully calmly you know i mean he was asleep he was in a dead sleep we know that because later on in in, in this portion of scripture it's going to say that the, the the angel struck him the angel didn't whisper sweet nothings in his ear he must have been so much in a dead sleep he had to get struck you ever you ever been asleep like that and somebody strike you get a book and strike you or get you know what i mean grab a wiffle ball bat and strike you to get you up Parents, if you got kids that are, you know, sleep hard and they got to get up for school or work, you know what I'm talking about? You, I mean, I'm not there yet, but my wife maybe with me. Strike them. So Peter was asleep. Peter was asleep and he, he was in a heavy sleep. If you're a heavy sleeper, you can relate to this. But not only was he he's a dead sleep like a baby knowing that he could possibly be up, but he was also sleeping like a baby chained to two soldiers. What? Two big old grown men. They probably were probably swole. They were probably hairy because everybody was hairy back then. They weren't into shaving every part of their body to be whatever. So two big dudes, hairy, probably musky. Remember, you know what I mean? People wore sandals back then. They didn't have clothes, you know, toed shoes. So bunions, feet stinking, you know, no, no deodorant. Who knows how much they took baths. So, you know, come on now, you know, if you played football or you played any kind of sport, you know, the, the men's locker room, what that smells like is pretty gross or junior high locker rooms, pretty nasty. You got two big old grown men, one named Bubba, one named tubby and he's sleeping like a baby between these two big old dudes it's funny but this is so significant because it shows that he didn't have signs of anxiety and it goes back to this i mean again people are losing their minds over this coronavirus me and my wife went to costco yesterday we had to get some toiletries and some other things and it's like there's no more clorox everybody's buying all the toilet paper in the world. I thought the white vinegar was going to be gone because everybody's after that too. Soap's gone. I mean, it's like, but then everybody up in there is hacking, rubbing their nose, 
coughing on you, wearing these masks that don't do nothing. The mask, man, I said it like four times since I've been here this morning. I guess it's something. But the mask only helps you keep your germs to yourself. You still got to wash your hands. So if you touch something and somebody coughs on you, whatever, whatever, you're still going to get all this stuff. But I'm saying, and hopefully these people that were doing all this, and it's like mad. People are like ants in there, you know? And it's not because it's Saturday. It's because all this stuff going on with this virus thing. But hopefully none of those people doing all that, acting silly like that, are Christians. Because look into all this man-made stuff to heal you and protect you and keep you safe. See, she said, yeah, don't do that. When it's like we serve the true and living God. When it's our time, it's our time. And it's not to speak down on anybody. It's not to uh, pass a final judgment call. But we are called to make judgments. That's foolish and that's silly. Don't do that. Don't run out thinking going and grab the next little cure-all thing is going to help you. It's not. Maybe praying, getting on your knees, going before the true and living God, you know, crying out your heart to him. That's going to do a whole lot better for you and a whole lot more for you than trying to buy all this Purell and all this other stuff. That That's nasty, too, because your hands are already dirty and you're just putting this nasty little film on your hands and it doesn't even feel right. And you're supposed to go touch everybody still and it's supposed to kill germs. And just go wash your hands. I mean, we live in one of the most wealthy, well, the most wealthy country in the world. There's running water everywhere. Just wash your hands and you'll be okay. Don't be rubbing on your face and, you know, scrubbing your eyes and all that. You'll be okay. But Peter, I'm sorry, but this, I'm not sorry, because this, this, this is a little vivid illustration of showing Peter was about to die. He, was a, he knew what happened to James. He just got killed. And he's in the same predicament, but yet he's sleeping like a baby next to Bubba and Tubby. And it's because he has the peace of the true and living God. It's because he serves the true and living God. It's because he has the Holy Spirit living within him that he doesn't have this super anxiety thing going on. And I know that there's cases of some people that, you know, just for whatever reason with their neurons and, the, and their chemical makeup and the genetics that they can have anxiety. But you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ is greater than that. And I'm not making light of people that got to be on some kind of medication or anything like that. But what I'm saying is the true and living God is greater than that. He's greater than our condition because in, at the root of anxiety is it could be some 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 generational curse. And it comes down to sin, you know, test the Lord and see that his ways are good. If we if he raised people from the dead, if he raised himself from the dead, are we are we going to put him in the box and say, you can't cure me of my anxiety? I'd rather be on Xanax for the rest of my life than trust that the Lord could do a miraculous thing in my heart and in my mind and set me on a path I've never been on before. Test him and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Many times we can't even sleep because we're anxious about an upcoming review at work or maybe an exam at school, or maybe we can't sleep because we got this this crush on somebody and we're like, I'm gonna speed date them this time and maybe they'll maybe they'll respond. I'm just so nervous I can't sleep. You know? Or, you know, like me, maybe you're just, I don't know, you're you're preoccupied with all these other little things that are going on and you just you 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 can't sleep. You're like, oh I can't I can't wait till this happens. And we have anxiety. Again, but the Bible is clear that the Lord gives his children rest. Psalm chapter 127 verse 2 reads, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He loved sleep. 
And that, that's speaking to, you know, and I get it. We live in a super expensive part of, of the country, one of the most expensive parts, if not the most expensive part of the country where, you know, um, if you're a single parent, you know, you got to work multiple jobs. It's hard. But the reality is working 80 hours a week, it's not healthy for you. It's going to kill you. You're going to work and toil so hard for this money that you're not even going to be able to spend. You can't take it with you when you die. You're going to give it to somebody who's probably not going to utilize it in the right way. And it's still going to get piddled away quicker than it took for you to earn it. And so what this verse is saying is don't be getting all anxious for all this stuff, toiling, working hard. If you're his beloved, he gives you sleep. He gives you rest. He he gives you the ability to have a peace about you because who is peace? Jesus Christ. He is your peace. He is my peace. When you have Christ, again, amen. When Jesus is your peace, then you're going to be okay in the midst of the storms of life. God bless you. You're going to be able to get through. You're going to be able to get through with a mindset that's not like the people of the world who are frantically losing their minds, trying to keep their sanity, trying to stay alive. That's not a way to live. That quality of life is not good. It's not healthy for you. It actually creates stress in you by you just doing all you can to stay alive. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Don't live like that. Do not live like that. And it's important, again, to point out that Peter was strapped to two men. He was chained to two men. It wasn't like he was walking around his cell, you know, doing burpees, doing jailhouses, doing crunches. He, he wasn't doing all that. He didn't have the freedom to walk around in a four by four cell doing his thing. He was chained to two big old hairy, grumpy dudes, probably. Actually, in all reality, probably witnessed to him. The Bible doesn't say that, but, you know, knowing Peter, knowing these disciples, they didn't just sit there. They used every opportunity to spread the truth of the gospel to all those they came across. The significance of this, uh, this man's best attempt at stopping God's ordained plans are worthless. This is what, this is what we mean by God, uh, man has plans. He has an idea of what he wants to do, but that can that can never override what God's authority is and God's ordained timing or planning for an individual's life. If it's the Lord's purpose for someone to continue to live and move on, they're going to continue to move on and live, and then they'll they'll they're going to find their time at a later date. In this case, it was the release of Peter from prison. He wasn't going to. He wasn't going to suffer the same fate at the same time as James. But we know later on that that Peter actually does die because he is a human. He's not superhuman. He wasn't, you know, and, and, and you know, the only there was only what besides Jesus, who else? Enoch was the only one that was taken up and Elijah that was taken up. Thank you, Daniel. But it's not that was not a common thing. If we live this human life, we're in the flesh. We are going to pass away. Unfortunately, because the because of the effects of sin and we live in a fallen world, we know if you study your Bible that originally we were never supposed to die. And that's why you have an eternal soul that's going to pass on from this life to the next. But because of the marks of sin, because of a fallen world we live in, we all have to pass away. But the good thing about this is if you look at your if you look at your savior and you look at you look at how brutal his death was, but he was able to not only go through death, but conquer death. And if that is the true and living God that you serve, 
shouldn't you just take heart to know that like I don't maybe it's not going to be as bad as as I think it is in my mind and, and I'm imagining it and it has has my you know my 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 imagination running away with me because Jesus conquered sin and death the fact that he has risen from the grave should give us all the hope in the world that when it comes our time to pass we're going to be okay that should lighten the blow of the sting of death the fact that you serve the true and living God who conquered death. And see, that's the difference between someone who's truly saved and has submitted their life before Jesus Christ and humbly accepted his will for their life and someone who does not know him yet. You see, it bleeds into the fabric of your life now is even when you're living because you have the peace of the true and living God where those who don't know him, they struggle. And they're like crabs in a barrel, all trying to get out, clamoring, going frantic just to live. All right, Acts chapter 12, verses 7 and 9, and it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. There's a whole lot going on right there. Wow. That's an aha moment for sure, because whew. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a trip, you know, it, like this occurred, this happened. But I want to start by saying there's a lot of details in this miracle that people can easily get caught up in. Like, who was this angel? Or why did he strike Peter? And how did the chains just fall off? And what happened to, to Bubba and Tubby? What happened to them? Where'd they go? But the reality is, we need to focus on the main point of this text. I'll start by saying no one, I mean, no one can fully explain this miracle outside of God himself. So let's just, let's just settle that right there. I'm not going to sit up here and, and, and try to come up with a four point plan and tell you how this miracle occurred. I'm just going to be straight up and say only the Lord can really speak to you about how this miracle occurred. It's honestly something that starts the moment you begin reading Genesis. In the beginning, what What does it say? In the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. Okay, I say that because if we struggle with that phrase, in the beginning, God, then we're going to struggle with everything else following that in this sacred book because we're going to be like, well, I can't believe God did that. How did God make the world in six days and rested on the seventh? Why do you have to rest? He's God. I mean, you know what I mean? He could do anything. Again, it takes a measure of faith, the measure of faith that he gives you to just believe, to take him at his word, you know, not to try to. Uh, Case for Christ. That's a great book. I mean, he just totally just denounced Jesus, didn't, didn't believe, didn't believe, didn't believe, did everything. And, and what was his job? He was he was somebody that that he was like a, he, he was a writer for a newspaper, but that's what he did. He would investigate. He was all into investigation and he did all this investigation of who Christ was to try to denounce that Christ existed, that, that Christ was real. And guess what? He became converted, became a believer. So 
I'm just that's a little plug for that book, Case for Christ. If you haven't seen the the movie or if you haven't read the book, I mean, it's a great read. And again, you can't you can't just spend your time trying to disprove who Jesus is. It just takes a measure of faith to take him at his word. Believe that in the beginning, God did what he did. Uh, believe in this account that an angel appeared to Peter. And, and, and obviously, if he's the angel of the Lord, he has the ability and has the power to do these things. And this is what happened. We believe what the text says. And the reality is, if we can believe this truth and believe in faith that these things occurred, it's going to be much easier to digest the truth of God. But see, if we have this, this heart where we're just opposed to what God says in his word and we're opposed to, well, you know, you should only be married a man and a woman and you should only, you know, you, you need to, you know, become one flesh and, you know, you shouldn't do these things outside of marriage and you should, you know, you should be hospital and hospitable and you should be giving and you should have fruit of the spirit in your life and you should love your enemy, not hate your enemy. You know, if we can't, if we can't take God at his word, all those other principles of the Bible, we're going to struggle with. When somebody spikes us, we're going to fight back instead of being like, you know what, bro, I'm going to pray for you, dude. You know, as hard as it is in my flesh to humble myself, I'm going to humble myself and, and, and I'm going to pray for you because the Bible tells me to love my enemy, not to not to sit there and, and, and fight back. So, again, it's just the point of, you know, to have that measure of faith, whatever the measure of faith God gives you to believe him at his word, trust that what he says is true. It's going to be so much easier and palatable to digest the truths of the Bible. The main point here is not all the details of how Peter was freed from prison, but that he obeyed the angel of the Lord without really knowing what was happening. You see, he obeyed even though he couldn't really see clearly what the fine details were of, you know, what his experience was, was going on. He was quick to be obedient the angel told him to get up quickly, dress yourself, put on your sandals, wrap up your cloak and follow me. At no point did Peter hesitate. He didn't sit and say, well, why do you want to do that? Or why did you hit me, man? That hurt, dude. Why'd you have to hit me? I was going to get up. Why do I got to Why do I got to wrap up my cloak? Why can't I just leave it there? He heard what he said and he did it. He was obedient. He submitted his himself to this angel of the Lord and did what the angel said. How many times has the Lord directed you and me to do something and we either hesitate or we don't even do it at all? <laughs> I laugh because I know, <laughs> I know. And that's called a sin of omission. When we know what we're supposed to do and we're like, you know, but Lord, we come up with a million and one excuses of why we ain't going to do it. It could be anything from reaching out to that stranger and witnessing to them to paying a person's meal behind you in line. Maybe, you know, there's someone in line and the Lord says, you know, what? Buy, buy that person's coffee or buy that person's meal or buy that person's groceries. Ooh, how about that? That's a stretch. What? Am I hearing from you correctly? Buy their, do you see all what they're buying? <laughs> You got six boxes of granola bars. You don't need that. All these mother icy cookies. You want me to buy that for them? You want me to give this person diabetes, Lord? Put it on your heart. Buy them. You better buy them. You know? Maybe it's something uh, asking for someone to forgive you. 
Maybe it's humbling yourself and the Lord said, humble yourself and go ask for forgiveness. I ain't asking for forgiveness. They did me dirty. Why should I ask for forgiveness? They know that in their heart they ain't right. Or maybe it's the other side. You need to accept forgiveness from someone else. I had an experience this week about the whole thing about go do something. And I didn't do it. Right. And I missed out on the blessing. That's what the Lord showed me. He said, man, you missed out on me using you. There was a man at 7-Eleven and I was at my I was with my work. We were coming back from an outing, coming back from CSMA and Mountain View. And, uh, you know, we have when we have a little bit of time that, you know, some of the driver will be like, oh, you know, you guys want something for 7-Eleven. All right. Let's stop at 7-Eleven. We stopped there. Everybody was like, they got their stuff. And then they're like, Keith, and you want something? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to get nothing. I was like, I don't want to wipe my wife on me because I'll, you know, be spending that money. <laughs> be spending that money. She's like, what's a five dollar charge? What are you getting at Seven Eleven? You know, you pack a lunch. You're not gonna be buying all this knickknack stuff. I was like, I ain't gonna buy nothing. But then the Lord had shown me the Lord. There was a man sitting there by the red box, and the Lord was like, you know, go, go, you know, offer this man something. And I, I didn't do it. You know, I just froze up. I just didn't do it. And and it was. You know, I missed out in the end, you know, because the Lord wanted to use me. Who knows what would have happened between the interaction between me and that man had I just obeyed the Lord. But because I didn't listen, now that's an opportunity lost. You know, don't dwell on it, but that's the reality. And and see, it's very, they're very small things as far as they happen so quick. And when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and you're willing to do what he says at a moment's notice, you're going to do it. But if you let your you know, let your pride get involved. You let your human reasoning get involved. You know, because I would, well, he, he clearly looks like he's, you know, smoking dope. So, you know, why am I going to do it, Lord? Or, you know, what are my coworkers going to think? But who knows? You know, in hindsight, it's like, again, maybe one of my coworkers that's not saved, they would have saw that act of kindness. They would have asked a question. Then I could have talked about Jesus. I mean, I can go on and on. And what could have, should have, would have happened. The fact is, because I wasn't obedient, that was an opportunity lost. I only share that because we go through these things daily, whether they're sins of omission, sins of commission. Don't be like that. <laughs> you know, don't be like me. Be like Jesus. Do the right thing. You know, the good Samaritan, the priest, the the other dude, they, they seen this dude bloodied on the side of the road. They walk by him. You fool. You guys are you guys are supposed to be godly men. Didn't do nothing. It was the half breed that came up and took him on his mule and took him to the inn and paid and said, hey, man, if he leave, he stays over, just charge it to me. And that's a picture of Christ, right? Because that's how we do as people. We leave somebody. <laughs> we leave them. We say, we'll leave them for the next person. Someone else will help them. Jesus is the one that says, no, I'll come. I'll come. I'll come, brother. I'll come, sister. I'll come, my child. Come. I'll help you out. Be like Christ. You know? Be like Christ. Amen? The point is, when we sense the Lord directing us to do something, we just need to do it. Peter knew enough to sense God was doing something and he followed. The application for us today is we are to obey, excuse me, we are to obey the Lord at his word. You see, many times God is not going to reveal the whole plan to us at once, but instead he's going to reveal to us one step at a time his plan for our lives. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And, and I'm not in the mind of God, but I could only imagine the Lord would do this because how do you think we'd react if, if the Lord told us every single minute detail of our lives and how things were going to work out? <laughs> we probably wouldn't want to do half the things because 
He's going to show us this calamity is going to happen. This failure is going to happen. This betrayal is going to happen. This sickness is going to happen. You know, and we're going to be like, I don't want to do it. I, don't, I can't. I can't, Lord. I can't do it. It's too hard. I don't want to. I don't want to die. I don't want to die at 50. Hey, if that's and that's why he says one step at a time, one step at a time. Obey me like that. Take one step. Take the next step. Take the next step. If you if you if you are around any mature Christians who are solid in their faith, you ask them how they've grown to become a mature Christian and a godly man or woman. And I can guarantee you they're going to tell you they take it one moment at a time and they count their blessings. They count today as it could be their last. The Bible's clear for us. God bless you to count our days because of the brevity of life. No one knows when their life is going to be taken. And so with that in mind, we should make every attempt at just having the best quality of life every day, every moment. And that's for the Lord, asking the Lord, what is your will for my life this day? What are your plans for me this day? Equip me so that I can reflect the light and the love of Jesus Christ to those around me with this day that you've given me. He gives us all. He deposits 24 hours in all of our time. Do with it is up to us. But if you want to have the most successful, the best quality life possible, live it, a life that's honoring the Lord. Amen? You see, the Lord had a special work to do through the life of Peter. If you remember, it was Peter's profession of who Jesus Christ was that the Lord said he would build his church upon, upon not the rock of Peter, but upon the profession that Peter made of who he said Jesus Christ was. It was also Peter who was used to preach a sermon where 3,000 people were saved at the day of Pentecost. It was also Peter who the Lord gave a vision of clean and unclean animals, showing that he saves both the Jew and Gentiles alike. Now it was also Peter who the Lord sent an angel to get him out of prison. I mean, man, that's <laughs> that's some amazing accounts that went on in this man's life. The application is, when you have a calling upon your life, the Lord will not leave you alone. Even with Peter's denial of Christ, remember he denied him three times. Jesus, even, uh, you know, G Jesus having to rebuke Peter, Peter saying, you're not going to die like that. And, and, you know, Jesus said, you know, get behind me, Satan. And Peter's sinking in the water. Remember, he walked on water. At least he had he was brave enough to do it. He trusted the Lord enough to do it. But once he took his eyes off Christ, he started sinking. Even though all those things went on in Peter's life, the Lord still never gave up on him. If you look at your life, maybe you're in a place where you don't feel worthy. Don't worry. None of us are worthy. You're, you're in good company. You know, we shouldn't feel worthy. But maybe you feel as if... You know, what can I offer the Lord? I'm going to tell you again, you're alive because the Lord still wants to use your life to glorify him in this place. And so, you know, it's about taking the focus off of why me, poor me, what's wrong with me, I can't do, and start looking at I serve a God who does, who can, who's all-knowing, who's supernatural, who raised from the dead, who's given me a second chance, who loves me enough to restore my family and keep me here and get glory for my life. And keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on the Lord and watch the amazing things he will do through you. He, he truly will.
As long as you have the right perspective of who he is and you wholeheartedly want to submit to him, he'll do mighty things through your life. All right. Acts chapter 12, verse 10. It says, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. This is, again, another miraculous account of the Lord's just the Lord's power, the Lord's wisdom, the Lord's might. The soldiers, the chains, the guard posts, the iron gate were all nothing when uh, when God was with Peter and prayer was behind Peter. There was nothing. They, they couldn't stop him. These things were just but created things that had no power over God's eternal plan for Peter and how he was going to use him and how he was going to continue to use him here on earth. This symbol of an iron gate, an iron gate, an iron gate strong, right? It's not something that the big bad wolf can just come and huff and puff and blow down, right? An iron gate is like, you know, that's, that's pretty solid stuff. If you work with metals, you know that iron is no joke. You see, many times we worry about the iron gates in our lives before we even get to them. This is that anxiety. This is that that restlessness of what could be. And I don't know. And then my mind starts going places. And then, you know, half the time those things don't even come to pass. We get all anxious about the iron gates in our lives. But Jesus Christ will take care of it when we come to it. You see, for Peter, it said it opened on its own accord, meaning nobody pushed it. I like those shoes. Red's my favorite color. Nobody pushed it. it. It opened of its own accord. There's a Greek word called automate. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Automate, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-E? Or do I, do I need a fancier way of saying it? Automate. Okay, good. Automate. The gate opened automatically for Peter because this was the Lord's will. I'll share this quick example. I got a little bit of time. I'll share it. Um, again, the Lord never lets you study something to prepare for a message and not have you go through something similar in some kind of way to teach you the lesson. So, okay, um, month back or so, my wife was talking to one of her patients, just small talking, talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we got a second child. We're, you know, in the future, we're possibly going to be looking for a new vehicle. One of her doctors, how long has you worked for Dr. Scott for? She worked for this doctor for 15 years. He and she still does. He walked by the the room. He overheard what she was saying. Uh, long story short, he came up to her later and said, "You know, um, I'm gonna make you a deal. You can't refuse. I have a I have an old vehicle. It's still in good condition. If you want it, you and you and your husband can can buy it. Um, it's a 2004 BMW SUV. It's an X3. I think it has it has 128 thousand miles on it. She came home, told me about it." He want, he's going to sell to her for $1,000. He's kept pristine records of the car, blah, blah, always got his service. The thing is, you know, is in best condition as it can be for 2004. She comes back and tells me about it. I'm like, are you serious? What are you talking about, man? This is, that's, I don't know. We got 
<laughs> we got to pray about this, you know, because it's like I had just at the time, I think it was like a week ago or two weeks past. It's like I had just preached and I had said something. It's not like I'm pulling up in here with the bins. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. We're not living like that, you know. And OK, so we prayed about it. We went back and forth. And he even has said, you know, what? I understand if it doesn't fit your lifestyle, this and that. But, you know, we have peace about it because we're like, you know what? First of all, it's not brand new. Second of all, we're not we're not trying to get a BMW. The Lord is good. He had favor. He blessed us with the space. It, it, ha it has more space. It's going to be a blessing to us for the time we have it. OK, fast forward to about a, a, a week ago. A week ago, two weeks ago, whatever. So I start driving the car to work. I'm feeling big and bad, you know. I'm, like, I'm in a beamer. No, nah, but for real. <laughs> no, that, that is really. Okay. I'm driving and the Aladdin lamp comes on. I said, what, dude? Okay. I start stressing out. I'm, che I'm checking the manual. I'm checking the internet. It's saying that, you know, the oil pressure may be bad. This may not be going right. I'm like, man, Lord, did, you know, did we make the right choice? You know, did he sell us a lemon? Am I going to be pouring all kind of money into this vehicle that we can't afford because I'm trying to be in a BMW that I shouldn't even be in? I'm all stressed out. The, the, the whole story is the Iron Gate. OK, I'm all worked up, stressed out, wondering what's going to happen. I said, I, I get home. I, bet. I said, baby, you got to call Dr. Scott, man. We got to go to this little foreign uh, whatever place in Mountain View. We got to get him look at the car because this is crazy. I can't you know, we can't do this. Had a decal that was like wearing, okay, get this. This is the whole thing. The Lord takes care of all this. So I bring it to this, bring it to the the the, the service place. The caveat was the 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 whatever, the panoramic uh, sunroof. It didn't work, right? And so he had him close it. He didn't want to pay for it because of the blue book value of the car is $4,000 because it's so old. It was going to cost $3,000 just to fix that sunroof. When they closed that sunroof, he had paid for the oil change. They didn't even do the oil change because they were so busy, stuck on trying to fix the roof. And so he called them first thing in the morning and said, hey, the new uh, person that I sold the car to, you know what, comp them this thing. They, they need it. You need to take care of it because it's something I paid for. So I was ready to pay. Unbeknownst to me, it was already taken care of. That's what I'm saying. The Lord went before us and did it with the little the, the little emblem thing. You know, I got it off, off San Francisco BMW for like forty three dollars. I went to uh, Caliber Collision. I was ready to pay. They said, come bring the thing. I get there. They do the thing. I say, how much do I owe you? They say, oh, just just do a Yelp review for us. You don't have to pay anything. So you could call that coincidence if you want. Or I call that that's my Lord providing for me and not having me stress out and be anxious about all, even for a dumb little BMW car. But the point remains don't let the iron gates get you all stressed out. Put your hope, put your trust in the Lord. If you got a health condition, if you got something going on, if you have a wayward child that does not know the Lord, don't sit there and stress out about it. You need to pray and you need to. But it's it's this lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? It's not just coming to him because things are going bad. You live a lifestyle of serving him and obeying him. And then he's going to take care of you when all those little things come up and you don't have to get all stressed out. You see, I still get stressed out, but I don't have to be stressed out because the Lord provides and he'll provide for you, too. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's not no health, wealth, prosperity thing. It's just the reality that I, I don't make up these stories. These are real accounts of what happens in my life on a weekly basis. <laughs> Ask my wife because it stresses her out about it. <laughs> Psalm 138.3. On the day I called. You answered me, my strength of soul, you increase. And, and that's what he'll do for you. And that's what 
That's what he'll continue to do for you. But again, it's that that humble obedience on a regular basis, living that lifestyle, just deciding it in your mind, and your heart. From this day forward, I'm going to serve you no matter what. I'm going to honor you with my life. Have your way, have your will, and you'll be surprised at the things that he'll do, the miraculous things that the Lord will do in your life to use you for his glory. All right, last verse, verse 11. It says, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. You see, James was martyred, but Peter was rescued. The reasons God does such things or does not do them are often known only to him. I'm not going to sit up here and say I understand why James died like he did, when he did, and why Peter was allowed, allowed to live. It's, it's what God willed. But we do know, like James, whenever a brother or sister in Christ passes on, they graduate to glory. You know that we're, we're pilgrims, right? We're just passing through. I'll use the example because it just sticks out so vividly in my mind. I can't love things. I can't love material things. I need to love God. I need to love people. Same with you. You can enjoy things, enjoy the home, enjoy the boat, enjoy the vacations. Don't love them. Don't teach your kids to love Disneyland. Don't say you love Disneyland. Don't tell them it's okay to love Mickey Mouse. It's not. It's okay to like them. And I'm not being legalistic, but you got to think, where does your, where does the affections of your heart go? You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Where do the affections of your heart go? I don't know. I love Shoe Palace. Really, bro? Come on, dude. They don't really don't even give good deals. I'd rather buy my kicks on East Bay. But don't love them. Don't love them. Like it. It's okay to like it. It's okay to like it. Don't love it. The reality for Peter was it simply wasn't his time to go to heaven yet. Until it was his time, he was invaluable to God. And he could not be harmed to death. But it was time for James, but not for Peter. And this is the same thing with our life. And you, you look at you look at the account of Job. Look at all the things Job went through him, you know, went through, excuse me. And, and, and I mean, to the point of almost, you know, that could make somebody die. You know, having your family pass on. I mean, having your, your body get sick to the point where you just, you don't know what's going wrong with you. Having your closest loved ones saying, spite, you know, I don't care about God. Your, your faith is useless. That could drive a person into depression to cave in and die. But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't Job's point. It wasn't his time to die yet. And so the Lord didn't allow him to die. Remember the, the conversation between God and, and, and Satan, right? Everything but spare his life. That's what the Lord told him. And so you see this account here going on with Peter. And maybe the same thing's going on in your life where it's chaotic and it's hectic and you feel like you're in over your head. And that's just a greater opportunity for the Lord to show himself true. Amen. The application for us is if we are to live daily with a sober reality that it truly is a gift from God, we will make out. We will be in a place of understanding the Lord and having that inner peace. We are to make the most of the 24 hours that he gives us daily for his glory. As the worship team comes up, we must understand that like all the saints of old, one day we too will graduate to glory. But until then, let us make every second 
remaining in this life count for the Lord. I'll leave you with this verse. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And that's so true. The fact that we don't know, but we do know we have today. Give us this day our daily bread. Make the most of your opportunity today. If there's something you need to go before the Lord about and repent, do it today. Do it here. Don't wait till you leave this building. If there's a brother or sister you need to be right with, maybe it's a loved one, make the phone call. If it's somebody that's passed away and you can't get a hold of them, write a letter and free them, free yourself of the guilt and the shame and the, the anxiety and the you know, the, the, the unwillingness to, to forgive. Great book, The Bait of Satan. I'm reading that book right now. That book is such a good book. It, it, it pinpoints all this stuff about unforgiveness and how it just binds you captive and leaves you in a place of just torment and you're just embittered. Don't live like that. You don't have to as children of God. Amen? <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for just who you are. The fact that we can meet with you on a regular basis daily, that we can commune with you, having this, 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 this dialogue between our souls and you, the way that you speak to us through your word, the way that you speak to us through the circumstances of life. And Father, that you love us. Father, thank you for your immense love, your undying love that you never give up on us, Lord. We can be in our worst place, but it's only one step back to you. Father, I pray that you would soften hearts this moment, Lord, that you would cause hearts to overflow with gratitude, with affection for you, with affection for one another, for the church, Lord, for the people that are not saved, Lord, that we would be those that would, our deepest desire would be to bring glory to your name by the way we live, that we would share the love of Christ with those around us, Father. I pray that as we do have a time of communion, Lord, those that call themselves children of the Most High that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord would not take the cup and the bread in vain and trample on the blood of Jesus Christ and call it common. I pray that we would allow you to examine our hearts, Lord, and examine the weeks, the week we've had and examine the morning we've had and the night we had last night. And if there's anything that we need to bring before you, Lord, so we can be pure and be made right, may you allow that to happen. May you convict hearts. Conviction is a good thing. There's something terribly wrong if we don't feel conviction anymore. So, Lord, please convict hearts. Cause us to be right with you. For those that are seeking you, Lord, maybe this is the day that we profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives. And if that's you today, please don't leave this building without sharing your new faith with somebody. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen.